Wrestling with Edwards podcast. I am your host, Scott E. Wrestling. As always, you know, why would anyone else host Wrestling with Edwards? That would make a very confusing situation if I wasn't part of it. Uh, But, you know, that's my, you know, bad joke for the day. So let's just get to it. There's there was a lot of wrestling this week. We had AEW Grand Slam. We had a big rampage show we had notable smackdown and raw and nxt 2.0 continued to roll on i was going to just you know include a few notes about the g1 from what i've seen so far uh you know new japan's massive massive tournament i felt like it would only be right if i talked about it for a second because it's been an it's been an interesting year for them, of course. Um, you know, not having a lot of their outside talent like Will Ospreay and Jay White for the better part of the past, you know, three, four months. Jay White's been gone for a while. And they had to do a G one, you know, with all their normal Japanese talent for the most part, or anyone that lived over there. So I only have a few takeaways from the show, but I think they were worth talking about here. I thought Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii so far, match of the tournament. Just, you know, tremendous battle, hard-hitting. It it differentiated from the usual Ishii match where, you know, he usually just does the same few things, but I thought him and Takagi were able to tell a story of who could just survive and that really made for just such a great main event and you know that's that's really all I look for in the G1 is great matches I think that's what a lot of us look for and this kicked it off perfectly uh Tetsuya Naito versus Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. of course that was a pretty good match but the biggest takeaway from here is Naito was legitimately injured his knee was hurt and he has been removed from the G1 Moving forward, uh, very upsetting, but we wish him a speedy recovery. Everyone gets points that were facing him, so that's tough. It's kind of like the Julia situation in the Stardom 5-Star Grand Prix, except this was at the very beginning of the tournament. Naito only got the one match before getting injured. Kota Ibushi 
de- uh, was defeated by Yujiro Takahashi in what I thought was a really good tournament opening match. I just think these two worked really well together and the crowd was so into it that when the upset ultimately happened, it was just, it was so exciting. And really that's, you know, that's what I look for in these tournaments as well. You know, I look for great matches, but I look for those shock wins and something that gets the crowd into it. And I think they accomplished that by keeping the crowd in it 100% of the way. Evil versus Yoshihashi, I believe, was really, really good as well. Shockingly good. Uh, I think because the Bullet Club style now, especially for Evil matches, you know, there a lot of start and stop due to outside interference. It makes for a annoying match, but I thought these two were able to really put it all together and just put on such a great show. And finally, the last match I'll talk about today, since I'm, uh, I haven't caught up on uh, the past two days of shows, is that Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada was tremendous, as expected. I think Okada, you know, telling the story of returning to form via the Rainmaker is just such a brilliant move by them. It makes all the sense in the world that you want to... You want to reestablish Okada as this, you know, super being. Him winning the tournament just makes so much sense to me. So those were my thoughts on the G1. Again, nothing long, nothing really long here at all. It's going to be a short show. We are going to preview Extreme Rules at the end. Um, But let's get into SmackDown. SmackDown kicked off with Roman Reigns in the ring. And Big E, the new WWE champion, going face-to-face with him. I thought that was just fantastic. Um, They're telling a story here between Big E and Roman Reigns because, of course, Big E didn't pick Roman to cash in. He picked Bobby Lashley. And there's a story to be had there. I don't know where they go to it. Maybe it's just extra early building for... Survivor Series in November before the draft as well. I think the draft has a lot to do with it, which is it starts next Friday. So we will, of course, break down the draft next week where we think people will go. But I think the story they're telling here is really interesting because Roman and Big E, you know, they have a match in them. They have a huge match in them. And I always thought that Big E cashing and Big E winning the Royal Rumble, something like that could have led him to fight Roman and maybe have been the man to dethrone him. Of course, that's not happening now, but I always thought that way. So the fact that they're still going with a potential match between them, which will probably be Survivor Series, it's very exciting to me. Naomi, Naomi, uh, seems to be on her way to facing off with... Sonya Deville, they're starting a story there on SmackDown where Sonya Deville just will not book a match for Naomi. Naomi asks week after week after week, but she won't get it. And I like that story. I like that story a lot. I think it adds something, adds a flow, adds another competitor. You know, Naomi is someone that I think we can all agree. She's a very good wrestler, and she should be utilized, and... If she took a slight turn here where she's a little bit more edgier rather than, you know, just smiling and glowing all the time, I think that would be best for her character moving forward. So 
I've really enjoyed her segments over the past couple of weeks, and you know this is the first time I'm touching on it, but I thought that was great. Bianca Belair had a homecoming to end SmackDown. Uh, she was in Knox County, Knoxville, whatever Knox County, I think. Yeah, in Tennessee. You know, she's from Tennessee. She went to the University of Tennessee. A lot of Tennessee. Uh, Kane was there because he's the mayor of Knox County, and I thought that was funny. Um, but in the end, it was all about Becky Lynch, who ruined the homecoming, hit the manhandle slam, and walked away. I think the way these two have managed to, you know, control this story and bring it around after fans hated it, tremendous. I think it's just, it's worked so well. And, I, and really, that's all I ask for in my wrestling sometimes especially WWE is you just give me a good story to latch on to and it's very easy to follow and I think these two have been great at it so good building block as we head into the final night ahead of extreme rules so let's let's get on to Monday Night Raw I think Monday Night Raw was great I thought when I say great I don't mean the entire show but the moments that mattered the most and, you know, the show kicked off with New Day versus Bloodline, but it ended with a triple threat between Big E, Bobby Lashley, and Roman Reigns. And I thought that match just, you know, it killed it. It was such a good match, especially for, you know, television on Raw. And it's funny we talk about television wrestling this week uh, because we have a, one of the best television matches, maybe the best ever um, this coming, uh, coming up in the show, but it, it killed it. The triple threat was so good. Like everything they did showed me that it really doesn't matter who wins because no one really walked out of it for worse. And that's unique in WWE because they they can be bad at, you know, fully protecting everyone at times. They can make some people look like fools. So I was really happy to see Big E look good, Bobby look good, and then of course Roman Reigns in the end look good, who I believe took two spears and I think he took two spears, one spear through the ropes, and the big ending. So he took all the moves, but in the end the big dog reigns supreme. I, you know, I don't come on here to necessarily recommend matches go out of your way and see, but that one for sure is the one you want to go check out because that was a great triple threat match. NXT 2.0, uh, interesting show once again. It started off with a very interesting open as new NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa was sitting in the middle. Of the, well, not sitting. He was standing in the middle of the ring with all the new talent. You know, you had Josh Briggs, whoever the Briggs partner is. Uh, all the male talent, by the way. You had Braun Breaker. You had, I don't think you had the Creed brothers. But you, you had a bunch of the, the new guys. Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams. That's who you had in the ring with him. Uh, there were some cool, you know, talking points there, um, and then it was, and Cameron Grimes came down, L.A. Knight came down, and ultimately, what's his name, Pete Dunne and Rich Holland make their way down, and he, 
and Pete Dunne's talking about how, you know, the future isn't going to walk through us, and the, a fight broke out when Champa punched Dunne, and in the ring was left with Breaker and Champa. Breaker got on the mic, sounding just like his uncle, you know, uh, selling YouTube bitches, kick some ass, something like that. You know, we're using some language here. Uh, and... You know, he cut a good promo saying, let's wrestle tonight in a tag team match, and that would be the main event of the evening. But my, oh my, I can't say enough how much, you know, it's been only two weeks, and there's still plenty of time where this could go one way or the other. But Braun Breaker, man, Rex Steiner, Bronson Rex Steiner, whatever you want to call him, he gets it. He absolutely gets this stuff, and I think that is just massive. Like him knowing what to do, and him knowing or having a complete idea of how to do this moving forward is so major because he can. O- he's only going to keep getting better. That's the scary part. And if he's already this good, you know, only starting to learn how to wrestle back like maybe a year ago, um, it's it's incredible. And uh, I just. I, I love that part of this new NXT. Kushida and Roderick Strong faced off in singles match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Roderick Strong walked out as the new champion. Kushida losing the title after 150 days or so. Um, kind of a shocking change, but when you think about it, this is all about them moving forward with... Diamond Mind being, you know, this top faction, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, Kushida got screwed over when Ivy Nile jumped from the stairs and hit a superwoman punch. Um, That was after, of course, the Kree brothers pulled Kushida out of the ring. Uh, They rolled him back in. He got hit with the end of heartache for the victory for Roderick Strong. That's his second title since being in WWE. He is now a former NXT North American champion and the current NXT Cruiserweight champion. Kaylee Ray got an easy win over Amari Miller. Uh, She still seems on track to beat Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship. At least that's what I think. I don't think there's really any other way to go except having her beat her and then you know building up Saray to beat her there's a new faction in town as toxic attraction made up of Mandy Rose Gigi Dolene and Janie Jane I think that's her name it's a terrible name if it's true Um, they are a new faction and they want to be attractive and be a monster. I don't know. The promo wasn't great. Um, it's good that, you know, they're given the women's division a faction, but it's led by Mandy Rose, so I can only question how good this can possibly be and where does it go. So next week, there's two women's title managers, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark will defend against Priscilla Kelly and, nope, sorry, Gigi Dolene and Janie Jane or whatever. I really don't know what her name is. Uh, so that'll be t- tag title match. And then Raquel will defend against Frankie Monet finally. Uh, but 
I think they have a lot of legs in and go and pushing forward toxic attraction as a major part of this brand. So if they won the titles next week, I wouldn't be shocked. They just better pin Zoe Stark if that's the case. The main event of the evening saw Braun Breaker team with Tommaso Ciampa against Pete Dunne and I almost said Tom Holland, Ridge Holland. I thought this match was really good. It was really entertaining, a good main event between these two teams, and Braun Breaker somehow managed to do his gorilla press uh, power slam to Ridge Holland, which was just you know beyond impressive. And they are making this guy the guy, the star of this NXT 2.0 brand. He's going to be NXT champion, I'm sure, very quickly. He keeps staring down that title but man I just thought this was such a good match interesting they pinned Ridge here um, I guess you want to protect Pete Dunn, but I don't know how much protection is needed for Pete Dunn if you're not going to give him the title anytime soon which I'm I'm not totally sure of one way or the other so that I just found that to be interesting because Holland you know has been very protected since coming back that is it for NXT. Let's preview Extreme Rules before getting on to AEW. Extreme Rules this Sunday on Peacock here in the States on the WWE Network, which I so much miss everywhere else, I believe, still. Uh, but as of this recording, which is before SmackDown tonight, we have a six-match card it is not bad it's just kind of there and that's what extreme rules is to be fair it's just a show that's just kind of there it's not you know this massive entertaining show all the time but of course the main event should be what carries it once again you know roman reigns title matches have been able to do that for some time now but Here's the Extreme Rules preview. Liv Morgan uh, will face off with Carmella, I believe. That is a normal show, non-pre-show match. And, you know, the match itself probably won't be that great, but it's a huge spot for Liv Morgan, who I think we can agree has been someone they should be pushing for a while. She has the fans behind her. She's very good in the ring now. She's got something there, and if this is the start, then good for her. Uh, I will pick Liv Morgan to get the win. I don't see what uh, what SmackDown gets out of Carmella winning here. Next up on the dock is the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match as the Usos face off with the Street Profits. Once again, this will be the third time they go head-to-head in the past couple of months, but I think this one will easily be their best. You know, these are two of the best tag teams, I think, in wrestling, let alone WWE, two of the absolute top-notch teams. I don't know who wins this because I think the Profits, you know, they're the biggest challenge to the Usos depending on the draft unless the Profits are leaving. SmackDown, which is always a possibility, uh, and maybe they're going back to Raw after a meh year. I'm going to pick the Usos. I just think the Bloodline is going to be reigning on top for, you know, who knows how long, much longer, but it, it's going to be a while. 
the United States Championship match is a solid one as Damian Priest will defend against Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy found his way into the match when he defeated Sheamus in singles action on Raw. So, big spot for Jeff Hardy. I, I don't know when the last time his... I don't know what his last pay-per-view match was, but it's nice to see Jeff Hardy in a major match, I think. You know, people have been complaining and worried about what are they doing with Jeff because, as you know, he was chasing the 24-7 championship, I believe, which is not at all something he should be doing. It isn't at all. Like, that's that's the part about all this that is interesting to me. It's almost as though they're trying to keep him around. Uh, I don't know when his contract is up, but the more things happen in... The more things happen in... AEW, the more they want to make sure they keep someone on the payroll um, that has the amount of likability and amount of love that Jeff Hardy has. Uh, The last time he was on pay-per-view was in February. He was in the elimination chamber for the WWE Championship, and the time before that was the Royal Rumble. Uh, I know he he might have got hurt for a while there. I'm not sure. But anyways, we will continue on because you probably don't need to hear more about Jeff Hardy. Just interesting. I will pick Damian Priest. He's not losing this title. Uh, he's clearly someone they believe in, which is a good thing for him. The Raw Women's Championship is on the line as Charlotte Flair defends against Alexa Bliss. This match is not going to be good. I have no idea what to expect from this match. But I think Alexa Bliss wins. I think Alexa Bliss wins the match, becomes the new Raw Women's Champion. I just think they're dying to give her the belt. She, you know, does very good in March by the sounds of it. People love the crap that she does that I don't enjoy at all. And Charlotte Flair needs to get to 16. So she's already had that title for too long. It's like been a month. She needs to lose it again. So... I wouldn't be shocked if Bliss won here. I don't expect a good match. I don't really know what to expect. Um, so I'm going to pick Bliss, but if Charlotte wins, whatever. I, I, I really can't get myself to care more than I already don't. The SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch defends against Bianca Belair. This match is one I'm very excited for. This will be the first match that Becky Lynch actually has to wrestle you know, live. I know she's done house shows, and I think she's been main eventing house shows with Bianca. But I think this match, you know, has a lot of interest in it because how do they handle the Becky Bianca situation after SummerSlam? I definitely think Becky wins here. I think she cheats to get the win over Bianca, but I expect a really good match because you know these two people are really good wrestlers, and they both. You know, have been two of the more popular women over the past couple of years. Of course, Becky Lynch is the most popular woman in, woman in company history. I won't take that away from her. She's legitimately 
the 1B to the 1A of Roman Reigns in terms of face of the company. Uh, I just I just wonder if or what they do with Bianca if she loses, which, you know, you can do a number of things. It's not like, well, you, they can. Will they? That's another question for another day. But I am picking Becky Lynch to successfully defend the title. And in the main event, uh, Universal Champion Roman Reigns defends his title in an Extreme Rules match against the one, the only, the Demon, Finn Balor. I think a lot of us can agree this match is the selling point of this show. It is everything about this show that we need. And I think them making it an Extreme Rules match gives them a chance to beat the demon and act as though his aura is not dead because I don't think Roman Reigns is losing this title, but it also gives a chance for the demon to win and save some of the aura around Roman Reigns. I just, I don't think Roman Reigns loses this belt to Finn Balor demon or not. I think this is more of maybe the demon, maybe Finn wanting the demon to die once and for all. So that's where I'm at. I just, I don't know if, they care enough about the demon aura long term and that's why I think they're putting this match in Roman's win column because it only enhances his reign it only enhances what he's been able to do over the past year in beating the demon being the first person ever on the main roster to beat the demon just feeds to what they're trying to accomplish with Reigns I expect a great match between these two I enjoyed their TV match this is the match to watch on this show. I look forward to reviewing it because it's going to be interesting one way or another. Alright, let's talk AEW. Uh, AEW, you know, <laughs> for as great of a dynamite they had, it was really a one-topic type thing. Um, the ramp rampage from this past weekend was, uh, past Friday was fine. Uh, the Lucha Bros successfully defending against Butcher and Blade. The match was okay. And Ruby Riot and... Sorry, Ruby Soho and Britt Baker had a very good back and forth that I thought put a lot of heat for their match, which would ultimately main event Dynamite Grand Slam, which I don't think a lot of people expected to happen. But the opener. The opening match to AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, their first time in New York City. The crowd was hot. The arena was amazing. You know, Arthur Ashe Stadium packs in over 20,000 people for them. I think they hit like 20,100 20, or so around there, which is just incredible seeing. We, I think most of us agreed 18, and then they just somehow got 2,000 more people in there. But, man, the show looked great. They pulled it all out. They had this special LED um, ramp, much like WWE has, but it was underneath plexiglass to make it look a little different. thought that was interesting. But the, it was the opener of this ma show that got the crowd so into it more than anything else because it's what everyone was there for. Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, going head-to-head. -head in one-on-one -on -one action with Brian Danielson, non-title match. There was no need for the title. Everything about this 
was about the match, about the wrestling, about the professional wrestling. This match is the perfect example of a great, amazing pro wrestling match. Danielson said in an interview, I believe with Tony, I believe it was right after he re, uh, he debuted in AEW, he said, I believe if you show anyone a great professional wrestling match, they will love it, no matter who it is. This is that type of match. The bell. Once the bell rang, the crowd lost their freaking minds. AEW had this perfect uh, picture moment where they had them face-to-face staring each other down. It was magic, everyone. It was absolute magic. Could Danielson walk right into AEW and deliver against Kenny Omega? Well, you know, there's no doubt that Daniel Bryan was a great wrestler. There's no doubting that. He was one of the best still in the world, no matter if the WWE shackles limited him a little bit or not. He was still one of the best in the world. But Bryan Danielson, when it comes to being one of the best in the world, it might have taken one match to remind everyone that that has not changed since he signed with WWE, that he is the very best. This match was, you know, it was everything wrestling needs to be. It was dramatic. It was stiff. It was jaw-dropping. You didn't know where to go. It was everything. From the Snapdragon suplex on the ramp via Omega to uh, Danielson. The running V-trigger from the top of the stage all the way down the ramp into Danielson's head where Kenny flipped over the rope. Or just the final couple of minutes where we were breaking down into what would be a 30-minute draw. Exactly what it needed to be. This match could not have had a winner. It needed to go to a draw. Set up for another match down the line. But... Again, this is everything you want out of professional wrestling. This is everything you want. It was the best, the best on record television wrestling match of all time. I don't, I thought about it. I really did. You know, CM Punk versus John Cena was a great TV wrestling match. Uh, There's, you know, there's countless others that people can think of, but. This was this is the one. For me, this surpassed everything else. This was as close to a perfect, you know, five star. I know like people like to toss around the stars. I, you know, do my own, but this was as close to a five star TV match as you'll ever get. They had one commercial, the first I think twenty minutes were commercial free. They tossed in one picture in picture commercial and You didn't miss a beat. You didn't miss a single second. This is why we watch this stuff. This match reminds people why professional wrestling is so beloved by so many people. I I like to say that, you know, everyone can have a taste. Everyone can enjoy professional wrestling. That goes without saying. 
but for me to take it a step further, this is the match that everyone can love. There's, there's something for everyone, whether it be the aura of it all, the story telling of the match of just wanting to be the best or the dramatic drama filled chaos that was the final minutes or just the simple you know building up the technicality of it the in-ring IQ of both men just the greatness of this match cannot be said enough and this is only their first time wrestling. This is Danielson's first match in AEW. He's going to have an incredible, incredible run in AEW. That, that is a fact. I think we can all agree on that. But, man, it's it's just been a joy. Like, Danielson joining AEW, clearly the perfect move. He is going to do his absolute best to show everyone why he is still the best wrestler in the world because he firmly believes that. So he's going to do everything in his power to show you. Uh, Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. The rematch happened on the show. The match ended via Black Mist and a roll-up, which saw Black win once again. This story needs to end. I think it's time Malachi Black moves on to another story. Of course, there's a lot of potential for another Cody match. And, and you know, I don't know if another Cody match is the worst idea. But he probably wins that time. So really, what's the point? And it doesn't need to happen. Black's won twice. End of story. Bye-bye. See you later. Those are my thoughts on that. Um. It was not that great of a match. Uh, The CM Punk promo talking about why, you know, he loves this and why what Team Taz did was terrible. And it was just the perfect promo to somehow follow a 30-minute Iron Man style, just brawl to the finish, a, you know, top-notch professional wrestling match. This is the promo to follow with because CM Punk managed to keep the crowd on their feet and just... You know, gives so much truth in his words, and he there's a reason he remains, even you know, just being back. There's a reason I look at him and I think, you know, you're still one of the best promos in wrestling, if not the best. And he just proved that so instantly here. The main event of the evening, though, saw Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's World Championship. Let's just start this off. Let's just call it what it was it was not it was not a very good match it missed for me in a lot of spots I'm happy they main evented don't get me wrong I'm very happy they main evented that's a big spot for them but it didn't make sense it just none of the match was good there was too much distraction it was everything that I expected Britt Baker's defense to be you know up until this point and she had done so well at, you know, not needing that much distraction. But this was just not good. And I, I can't just blame Britt. You know, Ruby, of course, was in the match as well. And I think Ruby's a lot better overall wrestler than Britt. But it was just it was just such a shame because 
you get such a big stage, you hope you can deliver at the highest level. And, you know, that doesn't always happen, whether it be these two or, you know, two big wrestlers. That's why I think we praise the Danielson-Omega match so much is because everyone had high expectations for what this could be, and it delivered, if not over-delivered. That the same can't be said about Brit versus Soho. It definitely under-delivered. Um, and Britt won the match in the end. But we have a massive Rampage show coming up tonight, Friday night, um, including the Super Click return, CM Punk wrestling on TV for the first time, and a lights-out match between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So that's definitely worth the time uh, altogether. So that is the show for this week. Next week we will be reviewing extreme rules while also trying to predict some draft moves for the upcoming WWE draft which is always a fun time as well so until next time everybody have a nice great week and I will talk again next week yeah that was a clean finish you know as always anyways have a good one guys you know it's all about the power.